Section 42 of A Failure of Initiative. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Casper. A Failure of Initiative. Final Report of the Select Bipartisan Committee to Investigate the Preparation for and Response to Hurricane Katrina by the United States House of Representatives. Medical Care, Part 3 The Superdome Although Louisiana owns the Superdome, New Orleans runs it, with assistance provided by the State, the Department of Health and Hospitals, and the Department of Social Services when needed. The city is also responsible for drafting and implementing a plan for its use during an emergency. Since 1998, New Orleans has used the Superdome to shelter citizens with special needs during hurricanes. For Hurricane Isidore in 2002, supplies were pre-staged, and the facility was staffed for 400 patients. Despite these preparations, though, only 27 special needs patients were identified and treated. During Hurricane Ivan in September 2004, the Superdome was again opened as a special needs shelter, and received just 32 patients. The small number of special needs patients at the Superdome during these two hurricanes gave New Orleans officials a false indication of how many patients to expect for Hurricane Katrina. As a result, the city was ill-prepared. The city's plans call for the Superdome to house only special needs patients not the general public. For Hurricane Katrina, the special needs area was established in the southeast and southwest quadrant ballrooms, where some supplies were prepositioned. According to Superdome and Sports Arena General Manager Glenn Menard, the Superdome's only prepositioned supplies were goods left over from a July event which the city requested remain in place. Menard also said he placed two refrigerators and power generators in the southeast and southwest quadrants of the Superdome, which were designated as the medical care areas. By the Sunday before landfall, over 400 special needs patients were evacuated to Baton Rouge, using ten paratransport vans and three city buses. For the 8,000 to 10,000 people who remained in the Superdome, there were federal, state civilian, National Guard, and city medical personnel to provide care. But this contingent proved too small to provide care for the multitude of people who eventually sought refuge there. After the flooding, but before evacuation of the Superdome, it is estimated 23,000 people were sheltered there. As the crowd grew, it became increasingly difficult for the facility to care for the special needs patients. The Superdome only contained enough personnel and supplies to care for approximately 1,000 people. Section 132, next to the Superdome's first aid station, was used for evacuees in need of general medical attention. With severe overcrowding of evacuees and flooding from roof leaks, the rest of the crowd was moved to elevated bleachers, Menard said eventually the special needs patients were further evacuated from the Superdome to the sports arena. 
DMAT OK-1 departed from LSU to the Superdome on the evening of August 29th. Upon arrival, the National Guard told DMAT OK-1 it wasn't needed inside, redirecting the team to the sports arena, which is attached to the Superdome by two open-air walkways. DMAT OK-1 finally set up operations at the sports arena late that night, and began receiving patients the morning of August 30th. The establishment of this DMAT came 36 hours after FEMA reported serious medical problems in the Superdome, including 400 people with special needs, 45 to 50 patients in need of hospitalization, and the rapid depletion of supplies. Evacuations finally began on August 31st, and medical workers prepared records for their patients. In the end, though, those records were lost in the confusion. Evacuation of the Superdome concluded on September 3rd. Six people died in the Superdome, five for medical reasons and one from suicide. Convention Center Similar to the Superdome, the Ernst and Morial Convention Center is the property of the state of Louisiana. However, the convention center was never intended to serve as a shelter of any kind, special needs or otherwise, so there were no medical capabilities in place prior to the storm. When asked by the media about the conditions at the convention center, Brown said, We learned about that Thursday, so I have directed that we have all available resources to get that convention center to make sure that they have food and water and medical care that they need. The Convention Center General Manager, Warren Ruther, however, does not recall the provision of any medical assistance for the evacuees at his facility. Ruther is an appointee of Governor Kathleen Babineau Blanco, and says his responsibilities are to oversee the Convention Center and protect its assets. Despite the fact that the Convention Center was not intended as a shelter, evacuees seeking dry land arrived there and upon finding the glass entry doors locked, broke in. Ruther estimates between 18,000 and 25,000, perhaps even 30,000 people, eventually gathered at the center. During the storm, Ruther and approximately half a dozen of his public safety staff remained in place, attempting in vain to maintain order as evacuees filled almost every area of the building, the convention center was quickly overwhelmed, running on reduced emergency power until all power was lost when fuel ran out on the night of August 30th. Public bathrooms became overloaded, and problems were compounded by loss of water pressure. Hallways became the de facto toilets. Walk-in refrigerators were emptied on the floor, and many evacuees began bringing their own food and alcohol into the building. Almost 32,000 chairs were broken or lost, 90,000 square yards of carpeting were destroyed, and the facility's infrastructure was damaged. Gunshots were reportedly heard, and Ruther and his staff were forced to hide from the crowds. Evacuations at the convention center began on Friday, September 2nd, and continued until Sunday, September 4th. Despite Ruther's assertion that medical assistance never arrived, 
a DOD email indicated medical teams were established and operating at the convention center on Saturday, September 3rd. Medical needs were unclear because of poor communication and situational awareness. The number of evacuees continued to increase at the convention center as evacuations at the Superdome concluded. People left at the Superdome were redirected to the convention center, where they would later be evacuated. Throughout the ordeal, Ruther saw no deliveries of food, water, or other supplies. At one point he called Blanco, but received no answer. He also never saw Nagin throughout the ordeal. A Doctor's First-Hand Account Dr. Gregory Henderson is a Tulane University and Vanderbilt University School of Medicine graduate. He lives in New Orleans and is the associate chairman of the Oxner Clinical Foundation Department of Pathology and Laboratory Medicine. He was set to begin his new job at Oxner on September 1st. Henderson happened to be attending a physician leader retreat for Oxner staff on Friday, August 26th and Saturday, August 27th at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel on Canal Street when the meeting was cut short because of the impending landfall of Hurricane Katrina. He evacuated his family to Jackson, Mississippi and chose to stay at the hotel so he could remain close to their home. By the morning of Tuesday, August 30th, the Ritz-Carlton was surrounded by three to five feet of water, and Canal Street was flooding. There was a hotel announcement that anyone who needed medical care should report to the hotel's French Quarter Bar. Fortunately, there was another medical conference involving medical specialists, seven physicians, a physician's assistant, and pharmacists, taking place at the hotel. The impromptu medical team had already started to organize a list of medicines and supplies they might need. Looking outside and talking to the police, he realized looting was occurring outside the hotel, and it appeared the looters were armed. Henderson, along with a family practice physician, pharmacist, and two officers from the New Orleans Police Department, NOPD, waded across Canal Street through waist-high water to the Walgreens Pharmacy across the street. They were able to break into the pharmacy and began stuffing insulin, drugs, and medical supplies into plastic garbage bags. There was a confrontation with the looters, who were held back at gunpoint by the officers. Henderson was able to carry three bags of supplies back to the hotel. He set up a makeshift clinic at the hotel for the next 24 hours. The majority of the patients were seeking prescription refills, a lot of which he did not have. He subsequently opened another clinic when NOPD moved their operational headquarters and command and control center from the Ritz-Carlton to the Sheraton Hotel across the street. He was told by NOPD that Tulane University and Charity Hospitals were taking on water and basically inoperable, and was asked by an NOPD captain if he could stay and take care of several hundred police officers who had set up camp at the Sheraton. Henderson was dispatched with a team of armed officers and took additional supplies, including insulin, from a second Walgreens pharmacy, Many patients Henderson treated had generalized anxiety disorders, 
not unexpected as most of the police had lost homes and some had lost family members and yet were still on the job there were also many cases of hypertension and diabetes i remember thinking it seems like the majority of the nlpd were hypertensive and type two diabetic i took a lot of blood pressures listened to a lot of hearts and refilled a lot of beta blocker calcium channel blocker and diuretic prescriptions i cleaned and dressed a lot of superficial wounds i gave a lot of insulin shots he said henderson had forgotten to take rubbing alcohol and used wild turkey bourbon to sterilize the injection sites he also distributed the antibiotic cipro and treated several skin rashes which were so severe some police officers had to walk around in underwear he believed the severe contact dermatitis may have resulted from exposure to toxins in the water katrina rash they began calling it in the meantime police officers told him stories of rapes and murders at the convention center but because of the lack of communications they were essentially unable to do anything about it or even confirm the rumors on september first under nopd escort henderson went to his new office at the oxner clinic to collect additional medical supplies on the way back to the sheraton he asked an nopd captain to drive by the convention center there he saw thousands upon thousands of people collected on the boulevard in front of the convention center they were infants to the elderly in wheelchairs there were many elderly lying on sheets and blankets on the meridian there were screaming men women and children and dazed quiet and confused men women and children most were african-american but many were white the nopd captain was minimally armed and refused to let henderson get out of the car but promised to bring him back with an armed escort henderson accompanied by officer mark mornay returned to the convention center where he treated dehydrated infants mothers and hundreds of elderly confined to wheelchairs one woman in a wheelchair had deep epidermal ulcerations and two gangrenous toes and there was nothing he could do for her he saw three children have seizures because they ran out of medication he saw and treated a severe asthma attack by only coaching the child's breathing he saw diabetics who had been without insulin oral hypoglycemics and dialysis for days mornay told henderson he could not be responsible for his safety after dark so they returned to the sheraton finding most hospital and vamc emergency plans did not offer concrete guidance about if or when evacuations should take place the south central va healthcare network visn 16 outlines preparedness and response procedures in the event of a hurricane in its emergency management program standard operating procedure number 10n16-1 this section provides the network director's office as well as the emergency operating centers with much leeway regarding the assignment of specific responsibility to personnel Facilities threatened by a hurricane are instructed to contact their home health care patients, especially those that are oxygen or ventilator dependent, and PBHC, 
to determine if they intend to evacuate or come to the facility. Additionally, threatened HCSs or VAMCs will be required to evaluate all patients and determine patients that can be moved to other facilities, along with special needs, oxygen, suction, ventilator, IV, etc., requirements, by either ground or air transportation. A VAMC is instructed to have made final evacuation decisions within 36 to 48 hours prior to landfall. The number of patients evacuated should depend on how much threat the hurricane poses to the facility. If the VAMC does decide to evacuate patients, the evacuations should be completed 24 hours prior to a hurricane's landfall. The VAMC Biloxi, Mississippi Emergency Plan addresses hurricane evacuation protocol more methodically, but still gives confusing directions regarding if or when the facility should be evacuated in anticipation of a hurricane's landfall. Also absent is specific information about evacuation transportation. The plan begins by stating, the basic planning tenet for hurricanes includes a total evacuation of the Gulfport Division. The VA health care system is instructed to work in close cooperation with Alabama and Mississippi to provide evacuation vehicles and facilities for use prior to a storm strike. When a hurricane enters the Gulf of Mexico and or is 96 hours or less away from landfall, the Gulfport Division will be evacuated entirely. When a hurricane is within 72 hours of making landfall, the facility is instructed to prepare for evacuations on short notice. When a storm or hurricane enters the Gulfport of Mexico and is 48 hours or less away from landfall at Biloxi Gulfport, the plan indicates the VAMC director and the VISN-16 director are to determine when evacuations will begin. The plan notes, however, evacuation may not be required and is not automatic. If the directors do choose to evacuate, all patients must be moved when the storm is 24 hours or less away from landfall at Biloxi Gulfport. Chapter 1 of the VAMC New Orleans Emergency Management Plan outlines procedures for total evacuation of patients and staff. The plan indicates the evacuation procedures in this section will be used for any situation requiring internal transfer of patients or total evacuation of patients from the medical center. So, while not clearly stated, it appears this plan should be used in the event of a hurricane. VAMC patients and staff are directed to evacuate to the ground level. While this plan is more detailed than the VAMC Biloxi plan, it does not account for potential flooding whereby the street exit and the ground floor of the parking garage would be inaccessible. In terms of exactly how to evacuate, the plan states, exact evacuation procedures to be followed will be dictated by the nature of the disaster and the extent of damage to the medical center buildings. If a full-scale evacuation is necessary, the plan says patients may be transferred to the VA Medical Center, Alexandria, Louisiana. 
transportation of patients to outside facilities will be accomplished by means of commercially owned buses ambulance services government lease vehicles or any other means available from outside sources that is national guard city of new orleans the plan does not include more detailed information on which services to call upon first or what if any transportation agreements have already been made likewise there is no indication of which hospitals should be used in such an emergency if the hospitals in the immediate surrounding area are not operational chapter three states when a hurricane watch is established the vamc chief of staff should coordinate the relocation of specialty care patients to other facilities if necessary beyond this call for initial coordination with other facilities there is no outline for when or specifically how to evacuate patients additionally the plan calls for the evacuation plan from chapter one be used in the event of flooding again the five previously described pages outlining evacuation procedures in chapter one do not provide guidance on steps to take in the event of flooding the emergency management manual for the medical center of louisiana at new orleans mclno covers both university and charity hospitals the manual says the emergency management program coordinator is responsible for developing implementing and monitoring all aspects of the emergency program the manual provides summary information about evacuation procedures during an emergency but like the vamc plans does not provide concrete information on whether facilities should evacuate in anticipation of a hurricane the mclno plan states that if the ceo or the designee so decides patients shall be evacuated to an area of safety by whatever means are available formal agreements will be in place with ambulance services and neighboring facilities to transfer patients as necessary all personnel will be trained in evacuation procedures the reader is then directed to reference the emergency management evacuation policy reference number 1026 for lsu's ambulance contract transfer and vendor agreements the select committee was not provided with a copy of the emergency management evacuation policy the plan devotes an entire section to evacuation procedures and provides a step-by-step -step instructions to specific personnel for a total facility evacuation it says formal agreements will be made for the following and goes on to list ambulance contract agreements transfer agreements and vendor agreements for special needs decisions regarding the transfer of patients to other facilities may be made as early as ninety six hours in advance of a potential hurricane by seventy two hours prior to potential landfall the plan calls for decisions to be made regarding transfers methodist hospital uses the hurricane preparedness plan established by the new orleans office of emergency preparedness this plan suggests hospitals may begin evacuation preparations when there is a slow-moving category three a category four or a category five hurricane within seventy-two hours of landfall 
and is predicted to make landfall within 100 miles of New Orleans. The CEO or his designee has the authority to call for evacuation. Actual evacuations may begin up to 60 hours in advance. At 60 hours, the plan says, make arrangements for at least two flat-bottom-type boats in the event of severe flooding conditions, and to fuel vehicles to capacity. The announcement of total or partial evacuation is called, if applicable, no later than 24 hours in advance. The Director of Facility Services, 12 hours prior to landfall, is to ensure emergency vehicles and boats are in position and ready for immediate use. There is also a section of the overall hurricane preparedness plan devoted entirely to evacuations, the Hurricane Evacuation Plan, which states, Evacuation from the hospital will be a last resort measure and will be carried out only when a mandatory evacuation is directed by the appropriate authority or when a situation arises which places patients and staff unquestionably in harm's way. The threat of a direct strike by a major hurricane certainly creates such a situation, and evacuation may be necessary to protect the safety of patients and attending staff. If evacuation takes place prior to a hurricane, Methodist has written transfer agreements with two hospitals outside the major hurricane danger zone. This section provides the contact information for Lifeguard Transportation Service Incorporated and Acadian Ambulance and Air Med Services, the two companies with whom the hospital has written transportation agreements. If these services are overwhelmed, the plan instructs the hospital to call the New Orleans Office of Emergency Preparedness. As illustrated by these plans, hospitals and VAMCs lacked sufficient guidance for if and when they should evacuate their patients in anticipation of a hurricane. They also did not follow the limited guidance they did have. End of section 42